All right, well, good afternoon. For those that were here this morning, I'm Jesse Brody, and uh, I'm from Bible Believers Baptist Church in Hillsboro. So it's a blessing to be here. I'm real thankful to get an opportunity to come up here and minister, and uh, just to be here, you know, amongst other believers. You know, it's, it's always nice when you come to a church and they're as welcoming and inviting as y'all are. It makes it real easy to preach, real easy, just real comfortable atmosphere. And so I appreciate that, and that's how it should be amongst God's people, right? Right. The Bible says comparing yourselves amongst yourselves is not wise, right? Churches are constantly comparing their church against other churches. That's that's silly, right? We're all trying to accomplish the same goal. And so if you guys want to turn to uh, Second Chronicles, chapter 17, you're like, oh, Second Chronicles, like, you know, he's going to preach out of Chronicles. Like, well, I am going to preach out of Chronicles. Yes. All right, we're going to Second Chronicles chapter 17, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to, for the sake of time, I'm going to give an introduction here. But what I'm going to talk about today, if I had to title this message, I would be the deceived Christian life, right? Too many Christians live their lives day in and day out deceived, right, under deception. And there's some really good examples of that in the Bible. And in Second Chronicles chapter 17, 18, 19 here, you have Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat's a prime example of this, right? Jehoshaphat has no excuses. You see, he was raised by a good father, right? His father Asa was a good man, right? The Lord says that his heart was right all his days. And Asa taught Jehoshaphat right. He taught him how to live. He taught him how to serve the Lord. He taught him right from wrong. And Jehoshaphat lived by this for a long time. And Jehoshaphat himself was a good man. Jehoshaphat, uh, you know, the Bible says that the Lord was with him. It says that he kept the first ways of David, his father. Um, the Bible says that um, his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. And Jehoshaphat sent men down into Judah, sent the Levites down there to teach the scriptures. Right? All of those are good things. And Jehoshaphat's a good man. But you see, Jehoshaphat makes a mistake. And it's a mistake that we all commonly make. And on a daily basis, really. And the mistake that he makes is that the Bible says that uh, if you look at Chapter 18, verse 1, it says, Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. Now the word affinity in the Bible has to do with marriage, right? So Jehoshaphat marries one of Ahab's daughters. And we, if anybody, if you know your Bible, Ahab is not a good individual to get yoked up with at all, right? And so Jehoshaphat does that and Ahab has him come over there to Israel and he says, Hey, I want you guys, you know, slay all the, you know, we're going to slay calves and everything else. We're going to have all these offerings and it's going to be a great time. And then he says to Jehoshaphat, he says, Hey, um, we're thinking about going up to battle at Ramoth Gilead. Would you be willing to go? You know, would you be willing to go with us? And he says, my people are thy people. You see, there's no prayer involved in that. He just makes a decision. My people are thy people. And anytime that you make a decision in life, no matter how big, how small, without prayer, it's going to be the wrong decision. You need to be praying. You need to be going to the Lord with any decision that you're going to make. You're going to buy a house, go to the Lord with it, right? That's a big decision. You want to buy a new car, go to the Lord with it. Make sure that's what he wants you to do. You don't know what the Lord has in store for you. I don't know what the Lord has in store for me. Um, so you got to think of it in the way that, Lord, would it be okay if I did this? Is this all right to do? Is this not okay? If it's not okay, Lord, show me. And I won't do it. But you have to mean it. You have to put your will down and let his will be the one that reigns, right? Right? Jesus Christ said, it's not my will, but thine be done. You got to trust him. 
And so he says that to him. And, uh, then Jehoshaphat kind of starts thinking, you can tell his wheels start turning. And he says, uh, he's sitting there and, and, uh, Ahab has some prophets come up and they start telling him, yeah, go up to the battle and you'll prosper. Everything will be fine. And Jehoshaphat says, is there not a prophet here that's from the Lord? And Ahab says, yeah, there's one. His name's Micaiah, but I hate him. He never prophesies good unto me ever. I hate him. I don't even want to talk to him. And Jehoshaphat says, well, let's, let's get him. Let's bring him up here. And so they bring him up there and they're trying to coach him, right? And he's coming up there and they're saying, just, just tell him that he's going to go up to the battle and prosper. Because he's one of my, Micaiah is one of my favorite characters in the Bible because he just flat out tells him, you know what? Whatever the Lord tells me, that's what I'm going to speak. And that's how I feel about life in general. You know, whatever the Lord gives me to preach, that's what I'm going to preach. Whatever the Lord gives me to, to tell somebody into witness, that's what I'm going to tell them. The Lord knows best, right? I'm going to stick with the Lord. And so I like the fact that Micaiah sticks with the Lord. And he goes up there and just, he knowing like the king could cut his head off. Micaiah doesn't worry about it. He goes up there and at first he kind of snidely says, yeah, go up to the battle and you'll prosper. And Ahab's like, can't you just tell me the truth? Just tell me the truth by the Lord. And he says, well, I seen all Israel without a shepherd. And Ahab says, see, that's what I'm saying. See, he never prophesies good unto me ever. And, uh, he never does. And then he takes it even further. He says, well, I seen the Lord sitting up on his throne and he says, I need a spirit to come here and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all the prophets and deceive Ahab into going up and falling at the battle of Ramoth Gilead. That's a scary thing. When I first read that, I was like the Lord sending a lying spirit to go up there and for to basically deceive Ahab so that he falls. And to me, that's pretty scary. That's a pretty scary thing when you think about it. And we'll come back there and go over that a little bit more in a little bit. But you see, he gets himself in a position where he's so deceived that Ahab says, okay, we're going to go to battle anyways. And Jehoshaphat knows that Micaiah is a man of God. He knows it. Jehoshaphat is a man that has some wisdom. He has some brains about him. And he's walked with the Lord. And he looks at that situation and Ahab says, I got a great idea. Why don't you take off your kingly robes and I'll give you mine. You can wear my kingly robes and we'll go up to the battle. And Jehoshaphat says, yeah, it's fine. I'll do that. He does it. Right? What did he just tell him? That the king of Israel is going to die when he goes up to the battle of Ramoth Gilead. So this man puts on the king of Israel's garments to go up there. What do you think is going to happen? Who are they going to go after? As soon as they see them garments, that's the people, that's who they're going to go for. Right? In a battle, that's what they do. Try to get the king, right? It's going to go for the king. And so they go up to that battle. And they're in that battle and they start bearing down on him and Jehoshaphat cries out to the Lord and the Lord spares him. And then it said that there was a man that shot an arrow at a venture, right? A venture is just like randomly. He's just, and it smotes Ahab between the ribs and kills him. Ahab dies anyways, because the Lord told him he would, you know, they took Micaiah and they said, you know, bound, put him in prison and feed him, you know, the bread of affliction and water of affliction until I return. And Micaiah says, the Lord spoke by me. You won't return. Right? That's a fact. And he didn't return. And you know what Jehoshaphat does is Jehoshaphat goes back to Judah. And you can read all through chapter 19 there where he goes back to Judah and he tells him to get right with God. And he starts setting some more things straight and he starts doing a bunch of good things. He learned his lesson for a time. Right? He learned from that. And you see what I want to talk about this morning is I want to talk about the deceived Christian life. 
And so if you look at Second Chronicles chapter 18, let's look at uh, verse 19. And the Lord said, Who shall entice Ahab king of Israel that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one spake, saying after this manner, and another saying after that manner. Then there came out a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said <clears throat> unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all the prophets. And the Lord said, Thou shalt entice him, and thou shalt prevail. Go out and do even so. That scares me when I read that, when I think about that. Now, your question that you're going to ask is, why would the Lord do that? Why would he do that? Right? The Lord loves us. The Lord's good. Why would he do that? For one, you've got to consider who Ahab is. Right? And we'll talk about who Ahab is in a minute. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 14. And this will help make, make more sense of that. Ezekiel chapter 14. Ezekiel chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 1. The Bible says, Then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me, and sat before me. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart, and put a stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of at all by them? Therefore speak unto them, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idols in his heart, and putteth the stumbling block of iniquity before his face, and cometh to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols. That's scary yeah. when you think about it. People think about idolatry as a simple thing. And, you know, I'm sorry to kind of do two harder things back to back here, but that's what the Lord had me to do. But um, that's scary to me when I think about that. The Lord will answer a man according to the multitude of the idols that he's harboring in his heart. That's rough. When you think about that, and that's exactly what happened to Ahab. You know, if you go back and read through the Old Testament, how many times Ahab had a chance? The Lord tried to deal with Ahab, and Ahab just constantly did whatever he wanted to do. Just constantly putting stuff above God all the time. Constantly putting stuff above God. And, you know, it helps to understand, you know, what is, what's a, like, what's a good definition for idolatry, right? And it helps to understand that. So, there's a guy, his name was S. Miller, and he made a quote about idolatry. And for me, it's probably the best quote I've read about it, but he says, an idol is anything which usurps the place of God in the hearts of his rational creatures. And he's exactly right. Anything that your heart is fixed on or set on, that's something that you're idolizing, right? You catch yourself sitting in church and you're thinking about leaving and going and playing a video game. You're thinking about going and eating. You're thinking about going and doing whatever you enjoy, whatever that might be. You ought to check yourself, right? Because you're putting that thing above God right? You should be here trying to get something from the Lord. That's the purpose that we come to church. We're here to get something from him and to worship him, right? And to give him some glory. And if our minds are elsewhere, we're not giving him any glory. It's the same way in prayer. You're praying about something and you don't, you don't remember even what you're praying about. Your heart's not in it, right? Where's your heart at? Where's, where's your mind at? You see, you got to think about what in your life usurps the place of God. What is it? Is it a cell phone? Is it reading books? Is it playing video games? Right? Is it, is it, is it, is it? I could go on all day long. What is it? You know, an example for me one time, I was late for work and I woke up and I was like, I gotta, I gotta get going. And I left the house in a hurry and out the door I go and get in the truck and away we go, right? I'm driving and I was like, oh, I forgot my phone. I have to have my phone. If I turn around, I'm gonna be late, but I have to get my phone. I can't. So I spun around and I went back and I got my phone, right? 
And then a couple months later, I'm same thing. I'm, you know, woke up kind of late. I had a late night. I was busy. We were down there and I was down there in Bible school. So we were like up late, you know, we'd have school till, you know, 10 o'clock at night. And then I'd be, wouldn't get home till 11, wouldn't get bed till, you know, 1130 a lot of times. And I'd be getting up at, you know, 430 to go to work and different things like that. And so I got up and I was like, oh my goodness, I got to get going. And boom, out the door I went and I got about the same spot. And I thought, I forgot my Bible. And I went, no, you go back, you'll get it later. You don't have to have that today. And the Lord was like, oh, is that so? Instantly in my mind, is that so? Well, what's more important then? Am I more important or is that phone more important? And I was kind of like, well, Lord, I think you know the answer, right? You know the decision I made, and I'm sorry for that. And ever since then, I tried to be, make a conscious effort to think about that kind of stuff. Like, you know, you look at a personal look at their phone and see how much screen time they have, right? Oh, your screen time was, you know, six hours this week. Well, I guarantee it wasn't even a third of that in your Bible, right? right? That's a fact. And it's a hard reality to face up, but you know, what I'm trying to point out here is, is not trying to make this hard. What I'm trying to point out is, is that you need to fix it, right? You need to take care of that. You know, again, I, I had a horrible time when I was lost with video games, horrible time with it. And it was because of anxiety and other issues. If you were here last hour, you know what I'm talking about, but it was because of that. And that was one way that I could just drown it all out, right? I could just play a game and I could just be in a different reality in a different world and just not think about it. And it got so bad that, uh, you know, I was doing it for, you know, I don't know, at one point I was doing it for like 14 hours a day. That's all I would do is play games and sleep and wake up. Well, after I got saved, I had a decision to make, right? The Lord was like, you can't do that no more. You have to make a decision. It's either me or that. And there came a point in my life where I just kind of fought back and forth with it, where the Lord, like, I felt like he made it clear through preaching and through scripture. Like, if you don't make a choice right now, then you're not going to have another chance to make a choice, right? There's a point where the Lord will only, he's long-suffering, he's merciful, yeah, but he's only going to go that far for so long, right? That's a fact. And you see that in Ezekiel chapter 14 right here. He'll start answering a man according to the multitude of the idols in his heart. And I've seen that in other men's lives. Um, I've seen a man that I really trusted and looked up to, and he was an associate pastor and a good man and a preacher and a teacher and a witness and everything. And he started thinking more of himself than he should. And the next thing you know, he's off doing who knows what. I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing. How did that happen? It broke my heart when it happened, but how did it happen? Just an idol here, an idol there. Putting something above God over here, putting something above God over there. And unfortunately, American culture is full of it. It's full of putting things above God, right? They make Our schedules are so fast-paced all the time. We're going and going and going and going and going. that Sometimes you don't even realize it. But we need to slow down to think about it. We need to slow down and read. Right? Um, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to go through uh, verse 14 to 17 here. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14 to 17. The Bible says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead. And Christ shall give thee light. See thee then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. See, we got to think about it right down to what are we doing with our time, right? The Lord told us to redeem the time. We've got so much time on this earth from the time that you're born to the time that you go back into the ground, right? You got so much time. Well, what are we doing with it? What are we spending our time doing? Are we spending our time Serving the Lord, right? Raising our kids in a way that's pleasing to God, right? 
raising them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, like he says, being a good example, spending our time. I'm not saying that you have to spend every waking moment reading your Bible study and passing out tracts and praying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, but when you are at work, right? When you, are you there with the heart that's for God, right? Are you there thinking like, Lord, I'm doing this for you. I'm here working because I love you. I'm here working because I want to give. I'm here working because that's what I have to do to support my family. That's what you want me to do. So you got to be thinking about how you're spending your time. Then another thing that happens is, is that it hinders your prayer. So that's another thing is that it hindered prayer. So it said putting a stumbling block of iniquity, right? Back there in Ezekiel, he put a stumbling block of iniquity. Well, our sin and idolatry is a stumbling block. And it'll hinder your prayers. Turn to Psalms chapter 66. Psalms chapter 66, verse 18. Psalms chapter 66, verse 18, it says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If you're harboring something in your heart, some kind of sin, some kind of idol, and you know that it's there, and you're asking the Lord for help, is he going to listen? Right? He says, if you're harboring iniquity in your heart, he's not going to hear you. Right? Back there in Ezekiel, he says something real similar. Should I even listen to him? Right? Should I even, should I even allow him to inquire me? You see, the Lord wants us to have a clean heart. And he makes it easy for us to have a clean heart between us and him. Right? If you, just like I said last hour, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You gotta confess it. And you gotta mean it when you confess it. Right? You got to mean it from your heart, just like when you got saved, right? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Well, you got to need to be believing the same way. You didn't only have to have a believing heart then. You need to have a believing heart now. And you know, there's nothing worse than having a situation come up and you really need to pray, but you know that the way you're living, you're so far away from God that you don't feel like it's going to do any good, right? You don't feel like anything's going to happen. You know, I've been there before. Some tragedy happens and man, I wish I just, you know, wish I was doing right or I wish I was living right or I wish I was, I wish, I wish. I don't want to be there, right? I want when a tragedy hits, I want to be able to be, you know, go to Lord in confidence. Like, Lord, I'm doing my best. I'm trying. Would you help me? And he will, right? And I'm not saying that he won't help you out of distress either. You know, if you're not, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that you need to do your best to live a clean life and have a clear conscience and keep that stuff out of your life. Keep idols out of your life. Keep issues out of your life. You see, <clears throat> then you look at, uh, so then you can go to, let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 14. Ezekiel chapter 14. I'm only going to read the same verses here. So he says in verse 3, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of at all by them? And then he says, Therefore speaking to them and saying to them, Thus saith the Lord God, Every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idol in his heart and putteth the stumbling block of iniquity before his face. And come unto the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him according, or answer him 
that cometh according to the multitude of his idols. You see, when you start getting an answer like that, there's nothing scarier to me than that, right? The Lord himself starts giving you an answer according to the multitude of idols in your heart. So you think you're doing right. And, you know, I'm positive that's what happened to the friend of mine. He, he would tell you, I am not wrong. I am doing right. And I would go to him and I'd be like, brother, you are not. You're in the wrong in this whole deal. No, I'm not. And he flat out told me, Jesse, I'm altogether blameless. Altogether. And I started seeing it. And I was like, Lord, what's, the, what's wrong with him? What's the deal? He reads. He studies. He prays. He loves you. I know he does. What's wrong with him? He's not out doing something terrible, not out doing something he shouldn't be doing. I mean, he's a good man. Like, what is the deal? And he started regarding his mind, right? He thought he was smart. He thought he was something. And he started taking things out of the Lord's hands into his own hands, right? And started saying, oh, I figured this out. And then, it's, you know, when he started doing these studies and, you know, it wasn't biblical, right? Well, I think it's this way. Well, it doesn't matter what you think. It's what the Lord thinks. And he started getting that way more and more and more. And what, did it, what does that do? It hinders your walk with the Lord, right? What you're harboring in your heart can change the whole entire outcome of your life. It can change everything. Just a simple decision to put something above God and keep it there. That's all it takes. Anything. I don't care what it is. It can be slothfulness. It can be work. It can be anything. You know, a lot of men are tempted to start further in their careers, right? Just to start going and going and going and going. And you know what? If the Lord blesses you and you can further your career, then great. But don't make that your life goal. Make your life goal to serve God and whatever blessings come with that, then enjoy them. You know, that's, that's what I try to do. I mean, I'm a superintendent for a company called Megawatt Electrical, and we build data centers. And there's a lot of opportunity just to keep going and going and moving up and moving up. I'm not going to chase that stuff. If the Lord sees fit for me to keep moving up, then fine. But you know what? I want to have the time and the ability to serve him, to do something for him. We all should want that. That should be our heart's desire, is to do something for God, right? The Lord told us that he put us here on this earth, for his pleasure, right? To serve him. That's why we exist. We don't exist to serve ourselves. Nobody exists to serve themselves. But see, that's what men think. I deserve this. You know, I'm entitled to this. Disney says, follow your heart. That's all garbage. Don't follow your heart, right? People say, well, my kids watch Disney. Well, that's up to you what you do with your own kids. But I'm telling you, don't teach them to follow your heart, right? Your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, right? So it's not a good thing. And those things seem nice and they seem good, right? They seem Christians have these ideas, you know, looking forward to the cross and looking back to the cross and they hold that thing up and that's what they just, they stand on that thing. Why? It's not biblical. It sounds nice. There's so many things in this world like that, that sound nice, but all it is that somebody that's got a hindered walk with the Lord, right? They get off the path somewhere and then they start going on and on and on. Look at, I mean, you can look at any I'm not, I shouldn't say any, but you can look at a lot of different religions and you can see where at one point they were doing right, right? It was right. They were doing good. And then somewhere they got off on a beaten path. Somebody started thinking something weird, right? The angel Moroni comes down and gives somebody a vision. And all of a sudden everybody's over here in left field has nothing to do with the Bible. It's all not biblical. It's none of it's biblical. And so if it doesn't match up with God's words and you shouldn't be messing with it, you shouldn't be doing it. And you see, they end up having a hindered walk. But the thing that I'm trying to point out is, is that they don't know it. They don't realize that they're having a hindered walk. Jehoshaphat did not realize what was happening. He thought he was doing a good thing. He married this woman and then he was like, well, I want to impress her father. And so, yeah, you want to go to war? I'll go to war. 
You want to do this? Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, he didn't even think about it. And next thing he knows, here he is. And he's in a chariot and all the armies around him bearing down on him. And what does he do? He cries out to God. And God pulls him out of it. Why did God pull him out of it? Because he loved the Lord. The Lord knew it. But he was messed up in something. You see, Ahab's the one that started getting deceived according to the multitude of the idols in his heart. And Ahab didn't know it. Right? Ahab thought that he was just marching the path that he should be marching. And he's not. Right? Everything was out of control. And, you know, another thing is, is that happens with people is, you know, you start to get that going on in your heart and then you start to get bitter, right? You start to get a, a bitterness deep down. Well, the Lord wants to take that from me. Who is he to say that I can't do that? Well, he's your creator. He's God. He can say what you can and can't do a hundred percent, right? If I make something, if I make a robot, it better do what I tell it to do, right? I buy a brand new car and I go to turn right and it turns left. I'm going to get rid of it and get a different one. You know what I mean? Like the Lord wants you to do what he wants you to do. And you can't get bitter about it. You know, you get a root of bitterness in your heart. It's the same as fear or anything else. You get a root of bitterness down deep in your heart, and it's a hard thing to get rid of. You're sitting on the left side of the church because somebody on the right side of the church said something to you one time that you didn't like. Well, shame on you. Why? We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Forgive them like Christ forgave you and move on. You know, bitterness is a horrible thing. And it just keeps growing and growing. And you see it over and over and over again. And, you know, different people and, you know, you see examples of it in the Bible. People just getting bitter with God. They're getting bitter at the only one that can help them fix the problem. And they do it. They get this stronghold and they just, now God isn't going to tell me, you know, what I'm going to do with my Saturday afternoon. Well, he might one day, right? If you ain't going to let him rule and reign right now, well, at some point he's going to tell you what you're going to be doing with your Saturday afternoon. I promise you. Right? So you have to listen. You have to obey the Lord. You have to. Quit harboring stuff. Quit thinking that you deserve something more than you do, right? We deserve hell. Every single one of us in this room, that's what we deserve. We're all sinners and we deserve hell. There's no other way to put it. That's what we deserve. And the Lord, out of his mercy and his grace, saved us from hell. Praise the Lord and thank God for that. And then we're going to get bitter against the one that bought us? How does that make any sense to anyone? Like, oh, Lord, I'm mad at you because, you know, you don't want me to play video games. I am not mad at the Lord for that. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Because who knows what I'd be doing or where I would be. I certainly wouldn't, certainly wouldn't be serving him. I can tell you that right now. Thank God. Sometimes the Lord wants to take something out of your life because it's good for you, right? It is good for you, right? I shouldn't even say sometimes. I should say all the time. If the Lord is saying, get rid of that, then do it and see what the outcome is. It'll be better than what you were doing before. I, I guarantee it. The Lord knows best, right? Romans 8.28, right? A real famous verse. But all things are for the good, right? So if, if that's the case, then we have to learn to accept those things, right? People get bitter over sickness, right? They get sick and they get bitter. Lord, why me? Why am I going through this? Why do I have this problem? I got bitter for a, a while over anxiety. Lord, why me? Why do I have to deal with this? How come everybody else in this world is normal and here I am fighting the battle with this thing and nobody else is? Look at him. He's happy as a clam. Doesn't even have a clue what's going on. Doesn't even know where he is. Doesn't care. And I worry about everything that's going to happen. Every breath I take, every step I make, everywhere I go, everything I look at, what I see, what I don't see, what I read, what I do, what I don't do. Why is that the case? And it took years and I got upset about it and stuff and I dealt with the Lord back and forth and, you know, there'd be times of bitterness and then I'd get through it and then more times of bitterness and then, after I got done with Bible school, the Lord sent me up here to Hillsboro and he wanted me to start a RU ministry, right? Helping people with 
anxiety, mental issues, depression. And when I started to do that, the Lord said, do you see now? You see why you went through all that stuff? So you can minister to others. That's why. That's why I'm putting you through it. You know what? So sometimes it's okay to just put your head down and say, you know what, Lord? Thank you. Be thanks. Give thanks in everything, right? In all things. Give thanks in it. Say, Lord, thank you, right? You're sick. Lord, I don't know why I'm sick. Would you show me? But thank you for it. I know you're doing something. You're doing a work in my life. And Lord, if it's your will that I die and I come home to see you, then I'm looking forward to seeing you. But be thankful. We have so much more than the lost world has. They can point fingers. They can laugh. They can think that we're crazy. But they're all busy trying to make these AI machines. Trust me, I'm in that industry. And they're putting all this different stuff together, trying to what? Well, we want to have somebody's conscience eternally. Well, I have eternal life. I don't have to build no machine. I don't have to know calculus. None of that stuff. I have it. Just accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. and You don't have to search no more. Quit looking around. You see, what men don't realize what they want a lot of times. And they're searching for it. But they think that the answer is a joke. And it's not a joke. You know, Proverbs 11.1 1 says that a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. A false balance. I mean, the Lord takes these things seriously. Right? If, if, a, if a man has a false balance in his life and you've got a deceived heart and you're getting answered according to the multitude of idols in your heart, where are you going to end up? Right? False balance is another thing to think about. When you're sitting there saying like, oh, Lord, I'm doing right. And here's, you know, there's some great examples of this, and this has happened in the past. Men that get called to preach and they start studying and studying and studying and reading and studying and passing out tracts and doing everything else, and all of a sudden their wife says, I want a divorce. Why? You know, have no time for me. All you do is read and study, preach, and do that. You know, you can have a false balance even in good things, right? The Lord gave, if the Lord gives you a wife and children, then you ought to be taking care of them like he told you to, right? He said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and died for it. Well, you ought to. That's a tall order. I'm supposed to love my wife as much as Christ loves me. That's a hard one, right? She does something you don't like. You start to get irritated and mad and start to raise you, and you're thinking, wait a minute. Every time I do something wrong, does the Lord beat me over? You know, does he get mad? Does he, you know, yell at me? Does No, he doesn't. What does the Lord do? He says, well, maybe do better. You know, maybe you'll do better next time, you know. He, he is always helpful and long-suffering and just. And we ought to be that way towards our wives, right? Towards our husbands, towards our children. And if you're spending all your time doing something else, you're not doing that. Um. You know, not to say you can get weary and well-doing and stuff, but some, some people don't. But there's a lot to that. you got to think like, okay, well, what's a balance? You know, we'll spend some time studying, spend some time reading, spend some time praying, spend time with the Lord, but spend time with your family also, right? And make sure that you're not getting, you know, talk to your spouse. Make sure that you're not getting too deep into something or not. Or if you're single, you can still have a false balance, right? You know, you come home, and I know people like this. You come home and you think, well, if I read my Bible for you know, 30 minutes and then, you know, I'll read my Bible for 30 minutes and then I'm going to, I'm going to pray for, you know, for two minutes. And then after that, I can do whatever I want to with the rest of my evening. Like that's not true, right? That's not necessarily true. So just be thinking about it. What, what is a false balance? How do you obtain a life that doesn't have a false balance in it? Ask the Lord to guide your steps. That's how Lord, what should I be doing right now? Lord, what should I do with this? People think that that's crazy, but it's really a reality. Lord, what do you want me to do with my evening today? What do you want me to do? 
I mean, and sometimes the Lord might direct you to, you know, sit down and read and study, put a message together. He might direct you to go out and pass out tracts, but he might just direct you to sit down with your kids and talk to them, spend some time with them, spend some time with your wife. He might tell you to take a break. You know, you need to get some rest. Just, just take a break for a minute. You know, there's, there's a lot of value in a break, in rest. There's a lot of value in all that stuff. You know, but really what it comes down to is, you know, let's say you end up in a situation where, you know, you've been idolizing something a long time and you feel like you're just confused. And even when you go to the Lord, you don't know where to turn and you feel like it's not the right direction. You're not doing what you should be doing. Well, how do you fix it? Right. That's the question that most people would ask. And Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto God, unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. The Bible talks, tells us to walk honestly, right? In other places. What should we be doing? Doing what we know is right. Should be walking honestly. You should be trying your best to please him step by step. If you can't put your head on the pillow at night and say, you know what, Lord, I did my best today. I tried to please you. Then you need to try to make tomorrow better, right? You need to say, I didn't do so good today, Lord, but tomorrow I want to do better. Would you help me? Would you help me to do that? I want to walk honestly, Lord. I want to turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. You know, I had somebody one time, they said, well, you said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. And then you told me to ask him to cleanse me from all sin. How does that work? If he won't hear me when I pray. And I said, oh, well, the Lord will hear that prayer. The Lord hears everything, right? His eyes are in every place beholding the evil and the good. The Lord hears it all. He's waiting for you to come to him. He's waiting for you to say, Lord, I have been wrong. Lord, I have been regarding this thing in my heart and putting it above you for so long. And I am sorry. I want to give it to you. And I'm telling you, if you'll just do it, if you'll just submit yourself to God and for one time, finally put yourself aside and decide like, Lord, I am going to serve you from this day forward. I want to, to the best of my ability, give you all I have. If you'll do that, maybe shed a tear or two. It's good for you. And the Lord will do something. He will change you. He will change your life. There's, it's no, it's no coincidence that David prays the way he does, right? David constantly says, Lord, you know, please, please give me a clean heart, right? Lord, search me and try me, right? And if you find any iniquity in me, please make it manifest. Allow me to see it. Why does he pray that way? Lord, restore in me a spirit that cares. Sometimes you have to ask God. And you know, this is something for me. I had a hard time for a while having a love for souls for a while. And I just had to ask the Lord, would you please put in me a heart and a, and a spirit or whatever you got to do that I can just love people more? Lord, and put myself down and just love people more. I want to. And if you pray like that, the Lord will do it. And you'll start realizing, like you'll start noticing somebody and being like, man, that person is on their way to hell. And I could, I could try to do something about it. I could tell them, right? I could say something. Maybe the Holy Spirit would do a work. Maybe he won't. You know, who knows? The Holy Spirit's always going to try, right? It's, it's up to us to choose whether we accept Jesus Christ or not. The Lord isn't going to force you to accept Jesus Christ, but he can sure put some pressure on you with the Holy Spirit and you got a choice to make. You know, I don't want anybody's blood to be on my hands. I don't. I don't want anybody's blood to be on my hands in the, in the fact that I could have went witness to them, but I chose not to, and they just didn't, you know, they just died. They just, they just died and went to hell. I don't want that. And so we got to be thinking about 
how we operate our daily lives, moment to moment. It matters, right? The Lord says we're going to give an account of every idle word that we speak, right? Right? I mean, think about that. I mean, the mark of a fool is in an abundance of words. You know, like, you know, I, that's a lot, right? Should I talk as much as I do? Probably not. I should probably keep my mouth shut. It'd probably be good for me, right? Sometimes it's better, right? And sometimes it's better to keep your mouth shut and have somebody think you're a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt, right? right. <laughs> it's a fact. And the Lord, you know, has some stuff to say about that. And that's all part of walking honestly. Look at Romans chapter 13. We're going to read verses 11 through 14. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. And it says, And that knowing the time, that now is nigh high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering, wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. There's the key, right? The same key that we came, the same conclusion that we came to last time is love. Love in the Lord. Put in the Lord first. If you love somebody, you'll put them first, right? If a man loves his wife, he puts her first. He gets stuff for her. He buys her things. He makes sure she's taken care of. All that stuff. Goes to work every day to make sure that the wife and the kids are taken care of because you love them. Well, you ought to love the Lord the same, right? And the Lord ought to have your heart. He ought to have a hold of it. And if he has a hold of your heart, he has a hold of all the rest of you, your whole entire body. And the Lord's a good steward. He's not like a man. He's not like us. If you'll let the Lord have free reign of your actions, what you're doing, like if you're like, Lord, just guide me and lead my, guide my steps. Help me. He's a good steward. He'll help you. And where he leads you is going to be better than where you would have took yourself. I can promise you that. And so just think about that for a minute. Now let's turn to 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. This is also a good one. You know, you got to remember back when you first got saved. I remember when I first got saved. I mean, you couldn't have stopped me for nothing. I was so excited. Um, I grew up in a cult, right? That you know, we didn't, we weren't allowed to go to doctors. We didn't associate with the outside world. It's called the Followers of Christ in Oregon City, and we weren't allowed to associate with the outside world. We weren't allowed to do anything, and uh, people didn't go to a hospital. You know, women died, babies died, friends died. At a young age, because they wouldn't go get any medical help. They wouldn't do anything. And, you know, we were taught you have to be baptized, and there has to be a special man, you know, an apostle per se, has to be able to come out here. And there was nobody preaching from 1969 until right now. The preacher that they had died in 1969 and said that God would call him some special preacher to come out and preach to him. And he never showed up. And, you know, as I got older, I started to realize, like, these people are wrong, Right? They're saying that I can't go to a doctor, but yet Luke's a physician. How does that make any sense? Right? We had a King James Bible. We had all that stuff, but nobody would preach or teach. You'd just go there and you'd sing your, you'd sing 10 hymns on Sunday and on Thursday and you'd go home. And then your parents would teach you what you ought to know. Well, my dad always taught me that I had to work my way to heaven. You gotta work, you gotta work, you gotta work. And when I was going through all my trouble and problems, uh, you know, Pastor John Robinson, he sat down with me and he said, Hey, so what do you, you know, I went to his church and, he taught on something. I don't even know what it was. Kingdoms or something. It made no sense to me. But I was just sitting there like, okay, you know, I was like, hadn't, I wasn't saved or anything. And he comes out and he says, hey, what do you believe? And I said, 
I mean, I believe if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, then you go to heaven. And if your bad deeds outweigh your good deeds, you go to hell. And he said, so you were taught by the law and not by grace. And I said, what does grace mean? And he said, well, how about I come out, you know, come out to your house and tell you about it. I said, okay. And so he came out and we started talking and he came out a few different times. Well, there was one point he was sitting there and he was talking and he got to Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And in my mind, it clicked right then and I'll never forget it. And I was like, he's right. That's what I, that's all I have to do. Right. And then he showed me you're saved by grace through faith, right? He'd show me that before that. And I was like, that's it. That's the answer. I'm saying, and I remember how excited I was, how elated I was, right? I was like, I don't have to worry about going to hell anymore. I don't have to sit here and just be worried and stressed about it. Like I know where I can know where I'm going, right? First John there tells me that, you know, I can know for where I'm going to go. Like it was awesome to me. It was just like this huge relief. This huge weight was lifted up off my shoulders, right? And I remember those days. Well, what happened to them? Right? Why do people lose their zeal? Why do they lose their love for the Lord? At that point, I would have done anything like Paul says. Why do you count me an enemy? Because I told you the truth. I mean, last time I was here and preached unto you, if I'd have told you to pluck out your eye, you would have plucked out your eye and gave it unto me. Well, why do we lose that zeal? Why do we lose that love and start getting bitter and start getting upset with the one that gave it to us in the first place? It makes no sense. There's no reason why a man should do that. So what I'm going to say today is, if you have something that's not right with God, then get it right with God. Get it right with the Lord and get on the right path. It doesn't matter young or old. You can start right now, regardless, no matter what stage of life you're in and start living for him, start doing something for him and get rid of the things that you're harboring in your heart. So you don't end up deceived and not even aware. All right, let's pray. Father, I do thank you, Lord, once again, to be able to open up your book, Lord. And I pray, Lord, this would be a help. I pray that you do a work in the hearts, Lord, of everyone here, Father. And we do love you, Lord. And we do thank you, God. We thank you for being such a good father, Lord, and just loving, just, Lord, honest and pure, Lord. And Father, you sure have been good to me, Lord, throughout my life. And I'm sure many here could testify the same thing, Father. And Lord, I sure do appreciate your love, Lord. And I appreciate your book, Lord. I appreciate the guidance, Lord, that you give us in our lives, Father. And Lord, I do thank you for being saved, Lord. I thank you for you giving us a free will, Lord, that we can make our own choices, Lord. And I thank you for freedom in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray here tonight, Lord, if anybody's here, Lord, that's never accepted you as their Savior, Lord, that they would, Lord, that they think about it, God, that they're on their way, they're going somewhere. They're on their way to a devil's hell, Father, and I just pray that you'd help them to realize that, Lord, and accept you, Lord, accept the way out, Father. And we do thank you for providing us that way out, Lord, and we know it wasn't easy. And, Father, I just pray that you'd uh, bless everybody here today, Lord, and help them throughout their week, Lord, help them to think about these things, Lord, that they might grow closer to you through it. And, Lord, I do thank you, and I do love you, and I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.